Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 38. It's so crazy. We're now fully in December. It's very exciting. Um, I have lots of cool sales going on at my web store, which is EM, as in Emily Merrill. It's my name, you guys. EMVocals.com. Um, I put together this really cool, uh, what I'm calling the cozy winter bundle, which is two mugs and a cozy blanket and a hand poured candle from another business owner here, uh, well, in Park City, Utah, um, and like some tea and, and, and some music. It's really nice. So if you're looking for a nice gift to give someone that you love for whatever holiday you celebrate at the winter time, you know, it's an option. I also have, um, only two. It's so extremely limited edition. There are only two pairs of the mugs in like cranberry. So they're, they're like reddish instead of black and white. Um, so, you know, some exciting things. Okay. So today's guest is Rebecca Jensen. I had such a great time interviewing her. She was just energetic and so bright and shiny. And when she left, I felt like I had a new friend, which is my very favorite thing about this podcast. I like a lot of things about it, but feeling like I'm making new friends is just, it's the best. Um, so I'm going to read you her bio now. Rebecca Jensen loves telling stories and drawing pictures, so becoming an illustrator made perfect sense. She currently lives and works in Utah, creating art for children's books, magazines, posters, cards, and anything else people will let her draw on. Uh, all right, you guys, here comes Rebecca. Sometimes art feels like magic, pure, visionary, and sometimes it's brought to you in part by focus groups and algorithms. And the makers of art are no different. We're creatives, sure, but we're also salespeople. We need imagination and imitation. We need deep, meaningful connections, but we also have to network. Yep, even if you're an introvert. And that's my point. Balancing vulnerability with veneer is tricky, and it's a struggle we don't often share. So let's share. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Today's episode of Artifice is brought to you by Light and Airy Presets. Light and Airy is created by photographer and best friend team Caroline and Anna Marie, who are passionate about helping business owners feel confident about the photos we share. I've sat here in this studio with so many guests who express anxiety about social media, and I've certainly felt the same way. It's a horrible feeling to feel torn between making art that really matters to you and building skills to navigate several social media platforms. I've been using the Light and Airy mobile presets for several months now, and it's really eased my anxiety about posting regular photos. All you have to do is download the free version of the Lightroom mobile app, download the Light and Airy presets, and come away with beautifully edited photos with just one click. If Instagram scares you like it scares me, head to lightandairyphotog.com and use promo code ARTIFICE10, that's all caps A-R-T-I-F-I-C-E-1-0, for 10% off your mobile presets today. started sure um I'm really glad you're here I I I was telling someone the other day like you know it's such a um it's such an adventure doing these interviews like so, sometimes I interview people that I've already like met before but the vast majority of the time I interview people that I've never met so it's like it's kind of 
it's it's an adventure in both ways. Like we're talking about new stuff and it's a brand new person. Um, but I like to start from the very beginning. And the first question I always ask people is, what kind of creative stuff were you doing as a little kid? Like what was kind of like the first evidence that you were exploring creatively as a child? Um, I think like most kids, my mom had an insane amount of just like crown drawings stuffed in a box of scribbles and things like that. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I remember most is my siblings that I would love to come up with like stories and things like that. And then we'd like draw like little environments and characters. Um, so we have a lot of boxes of that as well. Where do you fall in like the sibling order? I'm an older brother and two little sisters. Um, Okay. So Either I or my older brother usually was the ringleader when it came to story time. And then we yeah. were all drawing stuff together. That's so interesting. It was like you you melded your like pretend instead of like acting it out. It was like you would draw the scenes. Is that right? Or were they more like props? It was like more just would... for fun and be like, yeah, we like played a pretend game. Now let's draw the now stuff that draw we brought, pretended about. Or my brother was like, I want to make a game where we're all like little viruses going through this body so let's get some butcher paper and we'll draw these cute little viruses and then we can move them around so it was a combination yeah, of like so everything sometimes they were props sometimes it was like a recap of like the pretend yeah yeah that's really interesting I feel like that's like where do you think that came from like was it like your brother's idea kind of or like um you guys were just kind of I inventing think- that type of play together I think it was all of us um we all definitely like I, I mentioned like me and my brother tended to be the ringleaders yeah. but we would all have things that we enjoyed and liked and it would kind of all blend together. Uh, yeah. We were a military family, so we moved a lot, but like our siblings stayed consistent, so we became really close. Sure, and, that makes yeah. sense. Did you live in the South? We did. I was guessing because you said crown, which <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I went to school in Texas and I know that people say crown there. They do. <laughs> she means crown. <laughs> yep. Uh, we lived in Texas a couple times yeah. in San Antonio, Vegas, a um, little bit in California, some in the Midwest too. Cool. That's so, great. Yeah. yeah, I can totally see how that would make you like really bond with your siblings because mm-hmm. that's the one thing that stays kind of consistent. So as you got older, um, like was were, so were there other things like were you doing like music lessons? Like what what other kinds of creative stuff was going on in your in your childhood? Um, as a kid, I really liked dance. I did ballet dancing and I thought it was really fun. Um, and then as I got older and it got competitive, I kind of got yeah. less interested because I just Same. liked the dancing part yeah. <laughs> not like the, oh no, I've got to like watch what I eat and all of that. I was yeah. like, nah, I'm not into that. I had the same experience. <laughs> like <laughs> I loved dance until like it started getting like competitions. And then I was like, this is not my scene anymore. <laughs> nope. About, um, my, my, some of my siblings did some musical stuff. Um, I really loved reading. Yeah. I, I didn't get into a lot of extracurriculars. That's okay. Um, I mean, yeah. I like to ask just because, you know, I think sometimes when when people meet like professional artists, you know, as adults, it's easy to imagine that that person was like always only doing that. And sometimes that's true. And sometimes, you know, you're doing a lot of stuff and then you kind of like pick a lane. So I like to just ask. Mm-hmm. It's not that there's like, I know, I don't have like any expectation. It's just <laughs> there's you, only one way. You got, I, I just want to know what's going on. So so you are a visual artist now. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess I'll more specifically ask, like, how did you start turning that that play into like a skill? Um, I think for me, I, I got a lot of positive feedback as a kid from drawing. Yeah. People like, oh, you're so good, which like looking back, no. <laughs> but but um, the validation goes a long it does, way when it you're does. a kid. Um, and my parents both loved art. It wasn't either of their careers, um, but it was something that they both enjoyed. So they were really encouraging yeah. and gave great feedback. 
Um, and I love doing it just for fun as yeah. a fun outlet. So that helped kind of like give me the space to play and experiment and develop those skills. Yeah. Um, I think the professional like level skills came much later yeah. um, when I was actually in college, um, yeah. kind of thinking about this seriously as a career. What, um, what kind of feedback were your parents giving you that you felt was helpful? Um, a lot of really positive feedback. Most of it was just like, oh, we love it. It's yeah. wonderful. And then every now and then they'd give like, oh, like, wouldn't it be cool if you tried this? Or they'd give critiques or like, I noticed yeah. you're like struggling with this part. Maybe try this. Yeah. That's um, so interesting. Yeah. Because I think it can be a really fine line. Like, you know, I teach little kids and sometimes they'll be like, you know, my mom or dad said like this about my singing. And I'm like, okay, no, that's, they're wrong. <laughs> like, you know, cause it's, there's, there's a fine line between like, you know, giving your opinion and giving like feedback. Mm -hmm. So I like that the type of feedback they were giving you was like, Hey, try, like try, not like try maybe shading it this way. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that mm -hmm. more it's like, what if you try like thinking about perspective or where was it more like, bigger um, picture things it was sometimes bigger picture sometimes small picture just be like for a specific piece it's like oh like well, you mentioned like try shading like this yeah. it'd be like you want to try that and see what that looks like yeah. and it wasn't ever like do this right more like that's what i'm yeah that's yeah, what yeah. i'm trying to say more like giving you permission to like or just other ideas of like yeah. if i feel like they felt like i was stuck on something or if i yeah. felt i was frustrated they'd be like oh well let's try this yeah like teaching you to like think maybe more than like teaching you to draw do you yes. feel like that's right yeah. that is way that's, more accurate i think that's what i'm trying to say um, yeah which i think is perfect like you know if you're giving feedback especially to a child like let the feedback be like hey explore like yes you know giving kind of permission to like try something different or like think about it in a different way. So what about like when you were maybe starting to be in like junior high or high school when you can take like electives, were you taking art classes? Um, I think the schools that I went to, and again, we were moving around pretty frequently. Yeah. Um, so it was very different everywhere we were, but most of them had some kind of like art elective and it was like, you're supposed to take an art class, but they were usually very generic art classes. Yeah. Um, but I really loved them. It was always fun to draw, but I never really thought about this is preparing me for the future. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's art class. I get to have fun and draw stuff. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't kind of like you weren't thinking of it yet as like something you might kind of do seriously. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like to talk to people about like the, their teenage years because, you know, when you are going to go to college and like, of course, not everybody does. But if you're going to picking a major is such a thing. Oh, yeah. And those like teenage years when you're like trying to maybe think like there's this maybe this thing in your mind of like what might I do for my living? So I'd like to ask people like in the context of what you ended up doing, like, was there any sort of like, you know, organized or like more serious, like skill development going on, like before you went to college? Um, I never thought I would be doing art professionally. Yeah. It was always something I enjoyed and liked, but I never thought of it as a career. So when I was in middle school and high school, I was thinking more like, what are careers yeah. for serious adults? And I was thinking like teaching. And I also loved writing at the time too. That's yeah. something I did for fun. Not well, but it was fun. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's I was creative. English or yeah. history or um, things like that. Yeah. Uh, you were so, okay. So like, just as like a picture, like when you're kind of like in that, you know, year before you start like actually like applying to school or mm -hmm. going to school, maybe like you're 16, 17. Um, what did you like think you were going to do? Like what was, what was going on in your mind 
at that point at that time I always joke that I have a hard time imagining the future like I'm really good at imagining the present and maybe one step past that yeah um so for college it was like I'm going to get into a good school and I I was a good student I always got good grades yeah um so I was just like I'll go to school I will do my gen ed and I will work towards something and find out um I think part of too like I mentioned my parents being very supportive like whenever I wanted to try something new or explore a new medium like they were like oh yeah go for it and they never really question like what's the and future yeah. application of this they just like yeah sure go for it I love that yeah I think that's, that's so important like and I feel like the people that have parents or teachers that are like that it seems like such a given but like I know so many people who don't you right know, who don't have that and like just that like permission to explore it's so so important and, and as we're talking about like you know f- for me like w- we you and I are going to have a conversation about like what it means to be a professional artist but like for me like creativity is the thing that's the yes. most important and everyone should be doing that it and it matter, can look like, like so many different things totally so you know I think I think for those of us that are professional artists I think maybe we're going to think about creativity in a different way or think about it more or it's it's a bigger part of our daily lives but that's why like I I don't I don't kind of take for granted like the ways in which that creativity was happening for young people like sometimes it's art and sometimes like you're like working your creativity in other ways. So it sounds like yeah. you were you were stepping into like a lot of different types of and paths. it wasn't very like clear paths either but I'd spend a while like trying something out a new medium or be like oh I'm interested in sewing and crafting and yeah. making stuff just the art of like making something yeah. that wasn't there before and making it real. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it wasn't always successful and it wasn't always good and didn't always have a purpose, but it was really great to be able to just try things and also get over the sense that I had to make something that was perfect. Right. Or just, or even that it has to have a, a goal. Yeah. You know, was, like, so what other kinds of stuff were you doing? Like, like what kinds of stuff like little projects where you kind of like trying? Um, like I remember I tried sewing. to learn like knitting and crochet. I got a little bit into knitting. I really kind of enjoy just the methodical nature of it. I would craft like these little dolls. And then I had friends who were into like cartoons and video games. Like, oh, could you make a doll that looks like this? I ended up making like a lot of like custom dolls that turned out pretty cool. Um, And that let me like try out a lot of weird things. Like how do I make like a video game character's armor out of like the materials that I have. So like figuring out creative solutions to those problems for like Like, something that wasn't a big deal, but it was really fun. Um, And I mentioned writing was really fun for me. Um, But yeah, I love that. Like I, I feel like I like stretch that part of my brain so frequently when you're like, when you're a, a solo artist solo is like a, maybe a music word but like a freelance artist <laughs> mm-hmm. you're you're working like alone independent that's the word that I want um I mean for me it is very much alone so I don't work in like a studio with other artists yeah. um but yeah it is independent is probably a better one <laughs> yeah and sp- sometimes like the stuff that you're working on like the problems that you need to solve are like really specific to your medium but sometimes they're just like these bigger things like you know I find myself doing stuff like that like you know I'll host like a recital in my basement and I'll try to be thinking like how do I make it like visually appealing? And so I'll find myself like make like crafting like a backdrop or something yeah. and having that like, cause I did a lot of that type of like crafting as a teenager too. Like I had like, I had a subscription to family circle magazine <laughs> and I would, you know, I would, I, I like, like to look at like those pretty things. And, you know, I would think like, what could I, how can I make like a, you know, a centerpiece 
out of like whatever's around the house or, right. you know, and that type of thinking I think is so like it's resourcefulness. Mm-hmm. It like really is what it is, um, which I think is it's such an incredible skill to like take into your creative profession as an adult. Um, that's great. So you were doing tons of creating just like, yeah, kind like of my sister and I needed. would do like silly little plays that we'd like try and create like backdrops out of stuff around the house yeah. for and things like that. Um, when you're making these dolls for people, were you ever getting paid for that? Um, yeah, actually that was some of my first like money making yeah. art, I guess. Tell me, um, tell me about that. Like how did sure. you, how did it start? And then how did you like, were you strategic about it? Like, I'd just love to know like what that what that kind of was about is like your first kind of like little business. Yes. This was like early high school years. Um, I had a friend group and it was someone's birthday and I thought, Oh, like I've been recently got into sewing. It's been fun to try and make stuff. I'll make them a doll of like this, this cartoon character that they love and they loved it. And they're like, Oh, we're going to this convention, like this kind of comic con kind of convention. Before comic con was like a thing that everyone was doing. (laughs) Um, So it's like, we're going to this convention up in Dallas. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, sure. So like I learned, I made a costume, which was really fun. And like, we all went together and then I saw people were selling art that they'd made. And I was like, well, I make art. I can do that. And I made one for my friend and all the other friends were like, Oh, now I want one too. So, I kind of like saved up some money, bought a bunch of supplies, got started. And again, my parents were super supportive. I'm like, yeah, use my sewing machine. And like she did it and I'm like, oh yeah, how can we make like armor for dolls out of like whatever? How did you do it? Um, We had a lot of foam crafting where we take the foam and I cut it and craft it in different ways. And then I would find like different kind of um, four-way stretch fabric so you could bring over Mm. it and then piece it together to get the kind of different looks of yeah. the different kinds of armor. Um, I also was always forever looking for like little pieces of metal because yeah. like there's these little clips that like keep socks together at, yeah. a, at the, your at Walmart or wherever. And those were perfect for making like all the little mm. buckles and stuff yeah. like that because they would bend really easy and into whatever shape I wanted. Um, but they were already trimmed yeah, to the size so I needed, which was really nice. Yeah. So it was like kind of finding found objects, like how can I bring this together? And the end products look pretty cool. Um, and it was pretty successful. Like That's I had awesome. a great booth. I sold almost all of the ones that I brought and um, my, my mom and dad were like, we'll make it, we'll make a vacation out of it. The next time you go, we'll oh, come up with you. We'll amazing. bring the stuff. We'll leave you there to go sell your stuff. And then they like went around and like saw Dallas cause they'd never yeah. really spent time there. That's so um, like, I love hearing that story of like how they yeah. supported you. And also like, I mean, what an awesome like experience to have as a young person of like, you know, seeing this kind of like business model from yeah. like the very beginning, like that beginning conception like I mean I think it's evidence of like so much kind of like curiosity and um that's really cool I'm and also like I mean just having the confidence to like look at the comic-con booths and be like I can do that yeah and I think and part huge. of that came from having like such a supportive environment growing up and yeah. also like being given the room to make a bunch of mistakes and realizing like it doesn't matter if it's not yeah. perfect the the more important thing is just to start it and to try it and yeah. learn from those mistakes instead of just like trying to have everything ready to go perfectly from the beginning yeah did um, you ever struggle with any of that kind of like is it good enough stuff or were 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 you pretty like you know wholehearted about that stuff from the beginning um, I think imposter syndrome is a, a big thing that a lot of people talk about. And for me, that came much later in life. Yeah. Like as a teenager, I was like, I'm a teenager. I can do this. Yeah. I can do this. And even if I can't, like I'm a teenager, I get some like leeway for like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's yeah. my first booth. Totally. Yeah. I think that's so healthy. That's it awesome. Was, yeah, it was nice. Um, um, yeah. Uh, I The other thing I want to ask about, like sort toward the end, like I, I like to talk with people about like 
identity and how like your art informs your identity and vice versa. And so, you know, as we're kind of like getting the origin story of like your career, I'm curious, like how, like the, how that kind of stuff like was affecting your, your identity back then. You know, I think for a lot of us, the art that we do as teenagers is pretty private mm-hmm. like I mean I'm not saying it should be that way I think it just is like I think part of being a teenager is like you want to like start developing your own space and like you're trying to figure out who you are and you don't always want everyone to know what's or going on just there. like logistically like yeah. you're practicing alone you're like you just you know so to have something that's so anyway I to continue that thought maybe before I go on like because it's private you maybe don't have to like think about how it's affecting your identity that much because it's not in front of anybody. So to, to take what you're doing and like, you know, have it be something that's not just in front of your friend group, but like you're having a, you know, you're going and having a booth. That seems like a big thing. It's like, you know, it's, it maybe starts like treading that line of like, this is what I do. And like, this is part of who I am. Mm -hmm. So like, how, how did that feel to you? Like, um, to kind of like own that or like, did you think about it? I don't think I actually thought about it that much. Like, again, as a high schooler, I mentioned, like, I have a hard time, like, visualizing the future past a few steps. You were just present. I was pretty oblivious, actually, to a lot of things going around. I always felt pretty happy and content. So I kind of missed a lot of the normal high school drama. I I think that's great. It it was really nice. I'm not going to lie. That's fantastic. Because, like, I mentioned my siblings. Like, my sister went to high school almost everywhere I did. We were not that far apart. And, like, her experience and my experience were always wildly different just because she was much more socially aware than I was. You were just happy. You were I was just, just busy, happy and happy having and a good time. Yeah. yeah. Making stuff. So I'd be like sewing in the middle of class out of the desk yeah. if I felt like it or drawing or whatever. And like I mentioned, I got good grades. So like I think my professors they were very... They didn't mind. Yeah. Oh. Well, because I can imagine like, you know, that that could be the kind of thing where like I could imagine it either way. Like I could imagine people being like, oh, our friend Rebecca, like she does this stuff and she has these booths. It's so cool. And I can also imagine people being like... Nerd. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I'm curious, like if kind of owning that in sort of like a more public way, like affected how you thought about it at all. Cause I, I know that's something like, I think all of us experience that at some point as artists where people are, will be like, is that your real job? Or like, you know, you kind of get mm-hmm. this idea that like the general public is either like impressed with you or like really incredulous. And to ha- to maybe like have some of that experience as a teenager, I, I could imagine that it could like prepare you. But like what I'm hearing is you just, it wasn't. I you weren't thinking about in it. In the context of what you just said, I think what helped it was starting as a teenager because, again, like the, the expectations are way lower for right. teenagers. So people are like, oh, cool, you sell stuff? Because like after I sold it at the booth, I started doing sales online because yeah. I had so many requests coming in. I stopped doing booths altogether because it was just cheaper just to like yeah. take orders. That's so um, cool. So if you're like, you're making money doing this? That's awesome. And yeah. like – it was like, yeah, I've got like a small like side business going on as like a high schooler. And Amazing. people thought that was interesting. I think if I was doing it like now, people would be like, are you, you can you make a living doing that? Yeah, um, yeah that's yeah. cool. So like, yeah, I mean, I, I have to imagine having that, like having a side business where you're making money as a teenager, that, I mean, I have to imagine that would inform your identity and your yeah, confidence. Yeah, it was like, oh, it made me feel like I can do freelance stuff. And also it made me realize that yeah. I really love having like a lot of control over like the kind of work I do when I'm working in my schedule and being yeah. able to like plan stuff out. And I liked working with clients online as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Which was and I'm sure- all skills that are useful now. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Like you're learning all, you're like, how, I mean, 
you know, I, I never know what kinds of people are listening. Like I imagine other professional artists listening. I also imagine like younger creatives listening. And I, and I feel like, you know, I would want to impress on a younger person, like the kinds of skills that like Rebecca is learning, like in this, you know, high school process, like, first of all, you're learning how to like make the thing. Like yeah. you're making your thing. You're figuring out how to do like all the technical stuff of like, you know, setting up your like web store. You're learning how to like manage your time, certainly, because people expect orders in a certain amount of time. You're learning how to handle like shipping and handling your margins, like thinking, yeah, you know, thinking about like, oh, how much am I paying myself per hour when I'm working on this? Like learning how to keep a schedule learning how to do taxes totally all in this very low low risk risk, environment yeah Yeah. that's amazing so I mean I think just to kind of like it's it's maybe like it's a given for you and it's like somewhat a given for me because we like know what these things mean a little bit but you know to kind of illustrate like how much you're really like kind of getting that you know I, I tell my my teenage students like you know, let's get you in the recording studio. And they'll be like, you know, I don't have anything really ready. And I'm like, you don't want to be having your first experience when it matters. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like, this is great. Get in there as soon as possible. Yeah. Like you don't want to be like doing something for the first time when it's like something you really, really care about. And it, and you're already in like your profession, like get as many of these, like, you know, like, so that when, it, when it really matters to you later, you're not like, I've never written a song before. Like, I've been writing songs since I was, you know, I've been, I've been running businesses since I was 16. That's just, it's got to make it like when you're doing it as an adult, you already know like so much more and have that kind of confidence of like, if I did it as a 17 year old, like I can do it now and better. Yeah. And you've, you've made a lot of the mistakes that, I mean, you inevitably make the first time you do anything. And then you also learn like, oh, I made all those mistakes and I'm still alive and everything's fine. So I'm less scared of mistakes in the future and realize that they're very helpful and not life ending. So you're a lot less anxious about it. Yes. Like there's so much there that's like, you know, just, I kind of just want to verbalize like, yeah, there's, I mean, the, the, the types of lessons that you learn exploring and experimenting like that in a low risk situation, is just like, ah, it's so important. Okay. So um, when you finally like went to college, did you already have a major picked or you started out with generals? I started out with generals and I started kind of drifting into an English major. Okay. I almost completed it and realized like I probably should declare. Yeah. So I went to the advisement center um, and because I was like, well, I just kind of drifted into that. I was like, well, I'm working on this. I'm doing like other stuff. And then when I was at the advisement center, the advisor I was talking to, I wish I could remember his name because he changed my life. But he was like, is there anything else in your life that you've ever wanted to do? Which looking back, I'm like, that's a weird question to ask. Like I was almost done with the major. Maybe yeah. they just didn't want another English major. I don't know. But I was like, well, people mentioned illustration. He's like, cool. He walked me out of the office, walked me to the design department at BYU. It's like, here's your application. Wow. Your portfolio's due here. Good luck. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really think about it. I just applied oh and gosh. I loved it. It also changed my life. Like the friendships that I made there, yeah. the influences there changed the direction of where I was going. And I really, really love my career. How I, old were you when you switched the major? Um, I was I was just starting my junior year, I think. Okay. So I had so all my generals like 20. done. Yeah. Okay. 20, 20, 2021. Okay. There. Cool. So in the time before you switched your major, were you doing any visual art? Um, not really professionally. I was doing a little bit. I was working for most of my undergrad at one of the museums on campus, Museum okay. of Peoples and Cultures. Um, and 
my boss knew that I had like, just, I like doing creative stuff for fun. Yeah. So like he would always make sure to include creative projects. He was a really, really good, um, Paul Stavis, the, he was the interim director at the time. I think he's the actual director now. Um, but he would try and make sure like all the students had a chance to like practice skills that they were interested in. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Seriously. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so when I did switch majors, like, all right, cool. If you're going to be doing illustration, let's get you like working on all of our graphic design stuff that we can think of. Um, let's have you painting some murals for the new exhibits. Awesome. Do you want to like design like the the look of the exhibits and like pick the images that we're using? And, well, like, that's like a ton of responsibility. Yeah, it was, I, it was a ton of responsibility. Yeah. But I think he really took to heart like the idea behind a lot of like, at least for the yeah. BYU campus jobs was like let's get you chances to in a low risk way yeah. um, start like getting into your career and trying stuff yeah. out so that was some of my first like and that real was like paid work. when you so so I'm I'm wondering more like in between the time when you started school and when you like had that conversation mm -hmm. with that counselor were you maintaining like how were you maintaining like that how are you scratching that visual art itch or, or just creativity? I was actually still making dolls. Um, That's awesome. So, I mean, of it course was still making money. Is, is and money. Was like, and yeah. I could just do it from wherever. So I had like my sewing machine like crammed into my dorm. So I was still yeah. sewing dolls throughout that whole time. And then I would draw in like little doodles in my notebooks. Um, it would help me pay attention in class. So all my yeah. like science notebooks and American heritage and whatever classes would yeah. have a million like little sketches and ideas in them. Cool. Um, and then when you were kind of thinking like, I'm going to get my degree in English, were you doing creative writing? I took like a creative writing class. Um, I think the thing that I was most interested in was, was teaching at yeah. the time. I love creative writing, but I was like, I don't think I would make it as a career, maybe yeah. for fun or like if I did really well I could try it but yeah I wanted more of a solid regular job so you were kind of imagining your future you were imagining that you'd be teaching yeah okay maybe like the university level maybe not but I wasn't yeah. sure um I'm just trying to think if there are any other questions I want to ask about like that like little period where mm -hmm. you were like um is there anything else that you felt like was like um uh you know had a big effect on like who you are now from that time like anything you think we've missed about like your create your the development of like your creativity the development of your confidence I think development of confidence would be the biggest thing in that time um it was like like I, I was pretty content I mentioned as like a high school kid yeah. um, as a teenager um in college I I think it's the first time I learned like how to kind of push outside of that really comfortable zone and like mm. start making friendships with a lot of people being a lot more socially active, going out and doing a lot more fun things, um, kind of being a ringleader of like a group of friends and like organizing, like, yeah. let's go out and do this. Or like, let's do this like small trip or weekend stuff, like typical like college yeah. experiences were really exciting and different for me. It's kind of building like a different kind of confidence. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like even a little bit of that is just like, like the the beginnings of like leadership skills. Yeah. Which, but it also sounds like you were doing that with your siblings too. Like well, a being, little bit. I mean, if you're being kind of like the project manager of like <laughs> your pretend time, um, that's, you know, that's, a, that's like a, I would say that's definitely a precursor for like leadership or at least like creative management, you know, yeah. like managing, like kind of overseeing creative process that requires multiple people to be involved, which I think a lot of us artists like really struggle with because we yes. like working alone or, you know, or we tend to work alone or we have control issues perhaps. <laughs> um, so, you know, having like that kind of experience of like creating an experience with other people, I think it, it, it might be something that some people take for granted, but can really be kind of important. It's a big deal. So when you switched your major, did you have any like, were you nervous about it or did it just feel like, oh, I'm home? 
it, I think it almost immediately felt like, oh, I'm home. I remember when I was applying, it just felt surreal. It was like, I felt like I had very little thought had gone into it. It was just yeah, like, just yeah, I'll just, right. I'll just apply and see what happens. Um, and then once I did apply, it felt very right. So I just yeah. like jumped in. I was like, oh, I love this. Did you, do you ever think about like why you didn't just pick it from the beginning? Like if it felt so comfortable, like. I mean, I was, like I mentioned, like I was kind of, I was kind of happy and content where I was. I was enjoying the classes. I'd always done writing. Like I, I helped edit people's essays for fun. Um, so that's like one of the things that I did. It was like a different part of my identity. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, like editing was probably another thing I was considering. Um, but like, I just had just present. You were just like moving forward, just just like landing where you land about it. Yeah. That's awesome. So when you got into illustration and it felt like home, um, can you tell me like about the times when like, I'm, I'm imagining like maybe for the first time your visual art skills are really being like really challenged. Yeah. So um, what for was sure. that like? Like, so I think probably from the tone interview, you can tell I kind of like did a lot of coasting through my life yeah. where I was like, I'm enjoying things. I'm happy. I'm not trying incredibly hard. Um, and I think for the first time I felt like I was challenged, but it was challenged in an exciting way yeah. where it's like. I'm getting the kind of feedback that I haven't gotten before, um, a lot more critical feedback, but it was always in this tone of like, the goal is improvement. The goal is to get this professional level. And that was really exciting for me. Totally. Um, it was definitely like a growing experience. Cause it was like, Oh, like negative feedback's a thing. It's kind of a new thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did kind you, of thing. was it ever difficult for you? I mean, it sounds like you, you seem extremely resilient. Like I'm not <laughs> surprised that like negative feedback eventually just felt positive to you. Like, I mean, I get that. Like, you know, when, when someone gives me constructive negative feedback, it feels positive to me because I feel like, great. Now I have like a, uh, maybe a roadmap for like how I can increase my skill set. Like it, it hits me mostly positive if it's constructive because I just see it as like, I'm, I, this is going to incentivize me to move in like this positive direction. But when that was new, was there like a time when it felt like hard? I think that the thing that felt most hard was realizing that, um, my professors or classmates could see problems that I had Mm. not seen. Yeah. Like I was so excited about a piece and then I would bring it in and I would get like this very helpful and on the point on point critique. But my initial response was like, Oh, but I thought it was great. Yeah. It kind of makes you question your own, your own own taste or ability to judge. Um, and that's one of the other things that I felt like was very helpful of having like this kind of university background was it did teach you how to see and critique your own work uh, a lot more effectively. Um, so getting past that initial hurt of like, Oh man, I thought it was good. And then being like, Oh, like, well, yeah, there are great things there, but like it could be so much better. And that's a positive thing. Even like the way that you just said that of like which pieces of it like the the piece of it that felt kind of scary I feel like it's such a productive thought to have of like you know it it doesn't sound personal like it's not like oh they don't like my work it's like wow they're seeing things that I didn't notice um that's such like a growth-minded like type (laughs) of reaction I just I I just I find that like cool I think that's cool thank you Um, do you know what I mean like I I think a lot of people wouldn't have that reaction Uh, but it's 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 a very very productive reaction to have I think I can attribute a lot of that to my environment growing up where like that kind of reaction made made sense based on how I was raised and how I was taught um I feel like especially I teach now um and I teach like the incoming illustration students 
And I think like helping them to get to that mindset is like yeah. my number one goal because so many of them are so terrified yeah. just because of like the way the school system is now. It's like, I have to get an A. I yeah. have to get an A. I'd love to hear you talk about that. Like how yeah. you, because I have the opposite experience. I mean, I've talked about it on the podcast a lot, but my parents were like really, really hard on me and not like in a, you can do better kind of a way, but in like, you're not good. Like you're not good enough kind of a way. Oh. Like I had a really abusive childhood in, in that way, especially. And I think for me, creativity was a, was kind of a way out of that. Like I felt like, you know, if I was working on stuff that my parents weren't involved in at all, they couldn't hurt it because like they kind of didn't know it wasn't what I their was doing. world it was yeah. your world they had more control over it totally but when I started having teachers that were that that could give me constructive criticism it took me a really long time to before like I came to college like the opposite of you I came to college like not with with I had a certain kind of resilience because when you have no support you cultivate a certain kind of resilience. Uh, but I, but I felt very like I was longing for that validation. Like, I think the way it's supposed to work, you get a lot of validation as a child. And then when you're like prefrontal cortex is like more developed, you, you're ready for like the harder stuff. But I had like such a, um, a lack, like a void, you know, that when I went to college that you need to get past. Totally. Like I had a complete deficit of validation. And then when I was getting, you know, constructive criticism, you know, it felt, it was landing on top of like a, a, an, um, a really weak foundation of like self-worth. So I wonder, you know, as a teacher, that is so easy for me to, um, teach to kids. Cause like I've totally been there. Mm-hmm. And when I have students who are super confident, I'm like, so impressed. I'm like, <laughs> wow, you have all of this like confidence already. So for someone who had the opposite experience of me, I'd love to hear how you think about how you teach students who like don't have that confidence. I think the the biggest influence for me actually was my sister. Um, so grew up in the same household. Um, she was really supportive as well, but she had such high standards for herself growing up. And I think for her, for me, I always felt like things came easily, but for her, she was such an incredible worker. She yeah. worked so hard, like even from like fourth grade, she'd be up till midnight, like wow. getting assignments just perfect. And she never wanted to like lose out on potential options. She's like, mm-hmm. I got to get the best grade so that I can't lose out on things. Right. Keep all the doors open. Yeah. Keep all the doors open. Um, and then college was just like, she did incredibly well. Um, she's in dental school right now and is doing great. Um, but I remember thinking like there were so many things that professors did that just made her life and the way that she thought about the world made it so much harder for her where they were like, let's make it as hard as possible to get from like a 90 to a 95. Yeah. And like like, you want to be like, listen, just, (laughs) just, it's the same (laughs) guys, guys calm down. (laughs) Um, so something that I realized is like for a lot of my, for a lot of students, like even people who grow up in like a very supportive environment, like grades are this huge weight Mm, on their shoulder. Um, and they're terrified, which isn't, super helpful especially for a creative career because no one cares no one cares no one 4.0 great no one cares no one cares all they care about is your portfolio and helping students to see that is really important so especially for the incoming students like I want to give them that space to experiment in a low risk way Mm -hmm. and help them to see like the things that like came easily to me help them to see that where it's like it's important to be able to give your room yourself room to make mistakes um to get to that healthy place where you can take criticism and it's not life ending and yeah. it's not personal. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I'm, we're all working it's together to make your art better. Totally. Um, and helping them see like, how can I learn how to see issues in my art? Like that was one of the biggest things for me, like learning to be able to critique my own work. Like how can yeah. I get them those skills? So one of the things that, 
for students who are just coming in, it's like, okay, I want them to feel comfortable and I want them to be able to have room to explore. And I know that grades are a huge deal and can be just crushing for a lot yeah. of students. Um, so what we do is we have this scholarship program is what I call it. Um, it's for kids who are either on scholarship, want to be, or who just care about grades where it's like you do one extra assignment per unit and turn in all your work. You have an A in the class at the end of the year. I don't care how junky your yeah. stuff is because it doesn't mean you'll get into the program. It doesn't affect like right. your portfolio. It just takes the pressure it off takes of the them pressure so out. that they can experiment. Yes. Yeah. That's such a tricky thing about, I talk about this with people I interview a lot, like art is so subjective and, you know, talking like it, it's tricky to talk about what's objectively, you know, well executed when like beauty's in the eye of the beholder. But mm-hmm. you can't you have to do both. You do. Um, and, it, and it's very it's very difficult to to, you know, take someone who's super creative, but they maybe don't have their technique like in gear and be like, listen, all this creativity is amazing, but I need you to like, and then, you know, you probably also have students who like are technically like right there, but they're just not having ideas. They're afraid to try ideas. Um, So yeah, I have students who come from both ends of that spectrum. And I think the most helpful thing for both of them is to realize like for students who are super creative, um, but they don't enjoy like the technical aspects. It's like, don't worry about the fact that you might not enjoy these like more technical still lifes or perspective exercises or things like that. All that they're doing is they're giving the skills you need to be able to execute the ideas you have in your head Mm -hmm. exactly the way you want them. Right. You can do, it gives you a greater range of options for your creativity, creative exploration. Like you can, you'll be able to figure or physically draw the thing that you want. You'll have like the muscle skill to do it. Yeah. And then for the the students who are more concerned about technical stuff, like the other aspect of the class is the design aspect. It's like, how do we learn how to brainstorm? How do I learn? How can I get a really cool idea? So when I bring in these technical skills that I'm comfortable with and that I love, I can execute an idea that my audience is going to really respond to or resonate with. That's, I think that's amazing. Like, do you, when you as a teacher are like talking with your colleagues like, do they, do they think about these things the same way that you do? I think a lot of the the design department, um, they all kind of have this idea where they want to make sure, because I think the illustration program has like a history of like producing really good technical skills, like by the time you get through yeah. it, um, more so than most universities. Like we have like a, an amazing figure drawing program yeah. um, and things I've like that. I've heard really but, good things yeah. about BYU um, animation. It, oh yes, yeah. the animation department's insane. Um but they want to make sure when the students get out of school that they are prepared and that they also have ideas. Um, yeah. So they're trying to get this good balance of like keeping those gr- that great technical foundation, um, but helping students who struggle with ideas but are great techno artists be able to have both. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like bringing those kids who are like all across that yeah. spectrum together so that they have all the skills they need to succeed professionally. Yeah. yeah, I think I was just wondering how much of like your philosophy on that is like reflected in like your your department it sounds like it is so that's great Um, I think everyone has like their own background and ideas but I think the overall idea is like we want our students to be successful well in general in our like art you know paths like I interview people who are visual artists all kinds of performers you know dance music Mm -hmm. theater film um chefs like uh, writers (laughs) I know I'm like food art I'm totally here for it please um and and I interview like writers too and you know, there's, there's so much that's different between like all of our different mediums and even just like within visual art and within music, there's so many things you can do. But like, that is one thing I think that's always true is like, you know, this dance between like your technical ability and your create, your creativity. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, 
for each of us as individuals and in kind of like our professions and like, you know, our, our, our colleague groups to find a way to internalize both of those things, um, in a balanced way. I think that is one of the like never ending pursuits. So I, I like to hear that your department is like talking about both of those things. Yeah. That's, I think that's great. Um, is there anything else you want to tell about like the time, like, fin- like finishing your degree in illustration, like anything? Um, I guess the biggest thing would be making the jump from, okay, I'm feeling comfortable and confident now. I know like, I'm not at the level that I could be, but I'm at a level now where I feel like I can work professionally and I'll continue improving over the course of my yeah. life to get to where I want to be. Because I think that's a big thing for a lot of illustrators when they graduate is they're like, I got to be like the best I'm ever going to be to start working. It's like, no, yeah. your, your peak you'll, you'll is not good. when you're 22. Your peak is not when you're 22. Yeah. Um, it's not when you're 29. Like you can yeah. keep improving over the course of your life and your art will change and evolve. Yeah. Um, I really love when they bring in guest lecturers because like all of them have like wildly different stories of how they got to where they were. And the thing you take away from all of them is like you work hard there's no one path and it's okay if like halfway through your career you make a like hard left turn into like yeah I do puppetry now or whatever totally yeah well that's why I like talking that's why I do I mean that's a big reason why I do this podcast because I fully agree with you and I would love to see a world where there's more creativity in and out of the arts, you know, like Mm -hmm. I'd love to see just more people feeling like they can be creative and, you know, cultivating kind of like a creative resiliency, um, being more creative in like how they think about problems, how they think about the world, um, you know, and just like also thinking about like beauty and like, what does it mean? And, um, so I feel like for me, I love talking with different artists because you're so right. Like everyone's backstory is totally different and it's easy to look at someone where they are and think like you had a direct path there. No, it's never true. (laughs) No one did. Yeah. Nobody did. I mean, well, every once in a while I do talk to someone who's like, I knew when I was a little kid that I wanted to be on Broadway and I'm on Broadway, you know, like that's true. (laughs) Sometimes there are like those, you know, or I knew I wanted to write fantasy novels and I write fantasy novels, but you know, but like, how did you get in with your publisher? How did you get your editor? How did it like, how did all those things come together that make you the successful author you are now? Totally. That's going to be wildly different and for it, everyone. Right. And, and so, and it's so like the stuff that's difficult for people is, is different for everybody. The stuff that like, you know, inspires you is different for everyone. And so, you know, I don't know. I, I love to hear about it. So, okay. Can you talk to me about how you made the transition from being like a student who's doing some professional work to being like a full-time professional? Uh-huh. Sure thing. Um, so one of the biggest things that was helpful for me is the realization that I didn't have to go from student to full-time professional immediately. Yeah. Um, and also like, I think my professors did a good job of preparing me for that where it's like, you might like take like a part-time job for a while, but they also gave a lot of warnings, like make sure that you, whatever you choose to do, you are giving yourself adequate time to build up your clientele, to build up your jobs, make sure you're promoting yourself. Um, So some things that helped for me was I signed up for like some smaller shows, like the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators has a very small conference they do in Salt Lake every year. Um, If anyone's interested in doing children's books, either writing or illustrating, I really recommend this conference. Um, It's small. It's much less expensive than the larger ones. They bring in great talent. And the other great thing about it is like local art directors will come and look at everybody's work. Networking. It's yeah, it's great networking. Friend making. Uh, Friend making, networking. Um, It's a great chance to make friends with like other artists in the area that you might not meet otherwise. Um, They have like a lot of great get togethers and groups, which I'm not great at attending. I'm very much like a solo creature when it comes to working, but there's so much value in it. (laughs) Um, 
So I got a lot of great jobs through that. Um, I sent out like the like little what post. Ki- what kinds of jobs? Just- um, I, I guess the first one, my one of my first big jobs right out of school. So I started working part time at like this pest control company. Cool. Um, but they, they <laughs> the way they set it up was like, we just need you to like make the schedules for our people, like the map out, like where the little pest control guys were going. Um, and then like set the schedule for like our lawn care guys. And as fast as you can do that, you can leave whenever you want so long as it's done and we'll pay you on the hour. Amazing. So I was like, great. I will be here for like two to three hours. And then the rest of the day I'm working. It's That's enough money. A great incentive To pay model. my rent and yeah. then I can just draw. Yeah. So it was like, I, I think I took a job where I had a lot of freedom, which was yeah. really helpful. Um, and then I was able to like spend the rest of the time creating. And then through that conference um, and through my final show that like part of graduating, you do like a final show where you put together some kind of creative project. And for me, I did these series of large paintings. Um, the art director for, I don't know if you're familiar with Brandon Sanderson. He's a local fantasy yeah. author. Yeah. I've tried to get him on this podcast. Oh, you should. I, he, I, he's a difficult man to get a hold of. He's very busy. Yeah. I've actually, I, I've never met met him yeah I've been in his home a number of times yeah. but he's like asleep because he like writes all night so yeah. I'm just like talking to like his team or like his wife um but yeah so he's, he's elusive yeah um but is yeah is he real he I can can confirm he is real a little bit of a cryptid um but yeah so um his art director saw my work he's like this looks like something we'd be interested in um and they have this policy like they really like to support like local artists and kind yeah. of give them like new people a chance to do stuff so like we'll want to hire you for this poster like we made this project basically like we saw your work yeah. make this cool poster promote one of the the way of king's novels um so I was like awesome first job out of school um they really helped me set expectations because they were wonderful to work with yeah Um, that's great yeah and they really care about like making sure that the artist has like a great share of like the profits and also like walking you through like what the experience is like but in this like very friendly like non-predatory sort of way that's amazing it was wonderful um so that was one of my first jobs was that and then I had uh, a friend that I'd met, like somebody I'd, I'd met through various networking things who ended up as an art director for a very small publisher that's gotten oh, quite a bit bigger since then, um, hired me to do a children's book. Cool. Um, both were huge learning experiences. Like I learned how to work with deadlines on like larger scale projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned how to put a book together. I learned like what my timeline was for things, how yeah. long it took me to do art. Um, I did not make a lot of money off that first children's yeah. book, but I learning learned so much, so much from yeah. it. Um, that then informed like all the other things I did from that point on. Yeah. Um, how, how did you get your job teaching at BYU? Like, or how, maybe I'm really wondering how long was it? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was, it was probably like a, a couple years that I was doing like a year where I was doing like the pest control and like, just like small, small jobs. Yeah. Um, like a few larger ones, kind of like just barely making it through. Yeah. Um, just and learning then a ton. I had a friend who was working at the, rec center in Provo. Okay. Um, and she was like, Hey, I'm retiring. Uh, I used to teach some of the art classes. Do you want to interview for the spot? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Like we were friends through school and she was like, come interview. So I did. Um, so I ended up teaching just a couple classes at the rec center and that was a really great experience too. Yeah. Um, in teaching. And then one of my former professors really wanted to help his students, like kind of get a chance to talk to artists who had recently graduated and were working full time. Yeah. Um, so like a few years after I graduated, um, Justin Coons was like, Hey, do you want to come in and talk to some of my digital students about like, what's it like? Yeah. Um, he wanted to bring in as many people as possible because we all had, they were having different career paths. Right. Yeah. Um, and then after I like, I'd gone in a couple years to do that with his classes, he was like, Hey, we need another adjunct. Yeah. Like, in a week, would you like to start yeah. teaching in a week? Like someone had yeah. like been, was going to teach the class and then like they, they had an Bailed. emergency oh. um, and they couldn't teach and they needed someone like right Today. then. So yeah. it's like, 
I was like, yeah, sure. I like, I had some yeah. teaching experience at the rec center um, and just kind yeah. of got thrown in the deep end. It sounds um, like you're great at it. Like a really intuitive teacher. Um, I've learned a lot since the the first couple of times, but I think it helped to have that experience, like teaching at the rec center level. Um, also just, uh, I'm a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So like as a missionary, like that gives you a lot of teaching experience yeah, right. um, and communicating and for experience. listeners who don't know what she means. Like yeah. when you are a missionary for the church, you are teaching 24 seven. That's yeah, all you're doing. It's a full-time teaching job, so, either teaching yeah. a religion or you're teaching English classes as a second language, yeah. but you're just teaching all day. Where did you serve? I served in Thailand. Cool. Yeah. And that also awesome. is, I mean, it's also just, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of leadership experience and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Lots of things you learn. So that's, a lot of growth. Yeah. That's, that's great. So, um, so you're, you're teaching at BYU. How long have you been an adjunct there? Oh, a few years now. Let's see. Adjuncting is nice. Like it I mean, is. there's some things that are really bad about it. Like sometimes it's like a really hard like balance of your time. But if you like teaching, but you also like being a a, a what did you say before? Like a, a solo creature. What did yeah. you say? <laughs> kind of, uh, yeah, like I, a, I love spending time just making stuff at yeah. home. It's it's nice to have like that little like kind of regular contact mm-hmm. with like the 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 kind of larger world um so i i can see that being like a really like a, a key component of like your creative whole and i will say that even for me like i am i'm very content working by myself like having that connection to like my fellow professors and also just to my students and like the visiting artists that are coming some kind of outside connection to the world, be that through your like critique group that you might be part of or yeah. whatever your thing is, or for my case is like through working as an adjunct. Um, it is so important to helping you from becoming stagnant yeah. um, in your work. It kind of, yeah, it, it like, it gives you that regular kind of input. And yeah. A little bit of a kick to be like, oh yeah, like that's really cool stuff happening in yeah. the field. And I, my work, I, like if you're teaching, like you're always going to start seeing more and more issues with your own work because you're trying to help other students understand those concepts. Yeah, and it gives you, and I think also like for me, because I, I also love teaching, when I have students who have a totally different problem than I've ever had, I have to be so creative in figuring out how to help them solve that problem that sometimes it, it makes me think about something in a way that I never would have thought yes. about it if I didn't have that personality Right. You know, like in my care. So it's like, I've got like this concept that's like square shaped and they only have a circle. Yeah. So it's like, how can I like figure out a new way of explaining this that's going to make totally. sense to them where it clicks? Yeah. And like, I think as students, like you've probably had that experience as well, where like maybe teachers or mentors explain something many, many times. And then suddenly years later, someone explains it one way. And you're like, oh, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> and then I've had that experience for sure where mm-hmm. I think like, Oh, now I get what those other three teachers were trying to tell me. Yeah, and I understand why they thought they cared so much about it now. Yeah, (laughs) and I could not understand it because like my brain just wasn't receiving like their brain. (laughs) Like it just wasn't a good match. So it's great to have that in your heads when you're explaining something that's like they're not getting. He's like, okay, the way that I'm explaining it isn't going to click. And sometimes it's just through experience that students learn. But like giving them as many different ways of seeing something as possible is so helpful. And then that's that stretches your creative muscle. (laughs) Like I, I. I fully agree. Like teaching for sure does that for me. Like it, it makes, it makes my creativity have to like shape shift all the time, which is, it's great. Well, I'm, I love that you are enjoying that adjunct experience. Yeah. I, I, um, I took an adjunct job at BYU a couple of years ago and hoping that my experience would be like that. And it hardcore wasn't, Oh no! but I, I hear the like department, the, you know, I've, I've heard great things about the animation department and illustration. I don't know the difference, the art department. I've heard great things about dance, the music, music, 
there's some toxic things going on there at BYU. <laughs> I think there, um, there's various departments at BYU that are like, they're all along the spectrum of like, this is amazing yeah. to like, oh no. Yeah, it really is. Like just, just like any organization. It, it There are like little pockets of like, um, uh, like amazing, like brilliant forward thinking. And then there are pockets of like other things. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm glad that you like that experience. So, okay. So let's now, like, I'd love to know, like, what are you working on now? Right. Um, so now I'm kind of in this really fun spot. Um, so part of like succeeding professionally, um, for me has been learning how to balance some of these like larger, really creative stretching projects with smaller projects for clients with less of a budget. Yeah. Um, cause there's a lot of clients out there that I have who are like, they have X amount of money for their project. And it's like, well, my normal work won't cover that, but I've developed a couple of other styles or like yeah. more simplified things. It's like, I can make something for them that they're happy with. Yeah. And that it's like, I'm happy with as well, but it's not as creatively stretching for me. So a lot of my yeah. client work these days is this combination of like balancing these smaller, simpler kind of fun, cutesy projects yeah. with like more interesting projects for you that can really sink my teeth into. Um, I, I got married recently, which has been wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> 10 out 10 would recommend. Um, if you want to interview somebody about the combination of like having like a traditionally non-creative career, but still being creative, like talk to my husband. Okay. Um, I, like seriously. I mean, that I mean, that is totally something that I'm interested in. Yeah. He works um, in software engineering, um, but does like modular synthesizers. His whole family like does music, woodworking. Like they really love like, yeah. like you're talking about like creatively solving problems, even yeah. though it might not be like career related. Like my husband's family's like that too. Yes. He, my husband's also an engineer and is super creative in his work, but not in art. But my husband's yeah. like creative all over the place, yeah. but it's really fun. Like they, they have this really strong value of like, it's okay to invest time in hobbies. Yeah. And, and like in finding creative solutions to things, even if it's You mean not. like his family or his work? His family. Yeah. And, well, his yeah. current work where he's at right now is like really supportive as well. I love that. I mean, I think it's so important. Like creativity, like, I mean, it, I can get very like magical about it. Like I, I like, you know, I like talking about art in really philosophic ways and like emotion, really emotional and kind of like aesthetic. But if we're getting like really practical, creativity is like something you can't we have, we don't know how to automate it yet, you know, yeah. and, like maybe we never will. And ho hopefully I think, I don't know. I think, um, I think they'll be able to automate certain things, but yeah. like the creative process of figuring out how to automate those things, like that's its own interesting challenge yeah. itself. And I think there'll always be room for experimentation and growth. Yeah. So I think like creativity is, uh, it's so important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I choose to talk to most, mostly artists, pretty exclusively artists. Um, but you know, my thought is like these ways that we're thinking about things, like our privilege is that our work demands that we think about creativity, Yeah, but like everyone's work can, yeah, should. And I think like having like happy creative outlets outside of whatever your job may be is also super helpful for yeah. just being able to handle problems that you might not think of as needing a creative solution. Yeah. Like those, like, I don't think every, all the aspects of our lives are like these little islands that aren't connected. Like yeah. the experiences that I've had all over the place have all come together to help me through a lot of different kinds of situations. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that like create that, I mean, that's creativity too. Like, yeah. you know, thinking about your, like, the integration of all the experiences you've had in a creative way it, it that's creative that's creative expression and creative thought as well um so I like to talk with people toward the end of the podcast about like some of this like weird identity stuff yeah so like the I think the basic question is like you know like the the basic structure is like how does your identity inform your art and vice versa yeah so there's that uh, maybe just 
do you have an do you have like thoughts about that first yeah sure um so some things that i've noticed for me is like the kinds of things that i'm interested in um the things that are interesting me is like creative solutions to problems the kind of like art aesthetic that i love like i really love to bring that into my work and i mentioned kind of briefly like some of my clients have this smaller budget so i've developed this like secondary style to fit that so i can still like take these small jobs um to give me like the financial room to take like the larger more interesting jobs um so when those larger, more interesting jobs come around, it's really nice to be able to kind of sink into those aesthetics, sink into the ideas that I'm interested in. I love taking someone's idea and finding some kind of deeper meaning in it or finding some way mm-hmm. to interpret it or communicate something about it visually that you can't do yeah. just through text. Well, um, that's kind of interesting. Like if you're mostly working on stuff that like involves, you're mostly working with like a, like one client at a like mm-hmm. or maybe a couple clients is, at a time yeah but each project is like one client's yes. project so you're having to balance you it's you're in a triangle like mm-hmm. there's like the thing and the client and you yes yeah so yeah so in those situations like in what in what ways do you if we're going like just from you out in what in what ways do you feel like you put yourself on that art or like you have ownership over it it varies from project to project. I've noticed like on the projects where I'm just like trying to like make the client happy and like get the project done and just get out. Like I'm not feeling like I'm putting myself into it. I'm not as happy with the completed work. Yeah. And I don't think the clients are either like where there's yeah. none of my identity and I'm just trying to like make their yeah. stuff happen as fast as possible and as on budget as possible. Um, you're just executing it. I'm just executing it and I'm not thinking about it. Yeah, It's the projects where I try and take like, even if it's a smaller budget project, try and take in like, some concept that I'm excited about that maybe the client hasn't given me or like they're yeah. not, they wouldn't just even think of. It's like, going on I've seen like you. these really interesting art pieces. I'm like, oh, I love how they're handling their line work right now. How can I bring that into what I'm doing? Um, and when I do that, or I mentioned earlier, like how can I like take their text and interpret it in some mm-hmm. interesting different way yeah. where I'm bringing some of myself into that piece, bring that identity in. Those are the projects that I'm most excited about. And my clients tend to be happiest yeah. with as well. Are you, do you spend any time making art that isn't for clients? That's kind of like just yours. Yeah. Um, so it's something that like I mentioned, like I've been doing a lot of those projects. I feel like we keep getting sidetracked, oh, but, sorry. um, <laughs> No, we've been sidetracked in really great ways. Um, so this, since these last couple of years, I've noticed like I was feeling a little bit creatively burnt out because I was like trying to bring in a little bit myself in these right. client projects, but it wasn't. You keep having to divert. To divert yeah. to like something else or like having to switch to like a new client. Like, okay, that one's done. Okay, now I got to switch over here or like yeah. I got to make this deadline. Um, so I took some time off um, last, a couple summers ago. And then this summer where I just did creative projects for me. Um, so I would either do like silly, dumb projects where I just like make fan art cause it was fun and exciting for me. Yeah. And there's like stuff that I was excited about, but I'd be like, let's try like art styles that I don't normally do, or yeah. let's try like, um, a new painting style or like try some new tools or something like that. And like, I felt so much more refreshed and rejuvenated after doing that. And then recently mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm going to make some original personal pieces. Cause I haven't done that in forever. Yeah. Um, and those were so exciting and such a growth experience to do that made me realize like, I mean, people talk about this all the time, but you really need to have time and budget that time for personal work. Be yeah. that just like small sketches you do as warm ups, or like for me, like I had been budgeting out like the fun fan art projects is like, this yeah. is my unwind time. Um, that also helped me develop like new styles and things like that, that brought yeah. in really cl- exciting client projects that I'm super stoked about. Um, so if yeah. your identity is getting in your work mm-hmm. in kind of like a deeper way, like what, 
like, and it, it's okay if you just like aren't thinking about it, but if you are, uh, like what, what might that mean? Like, you know, in kind of like that really personal way or vice versa, like how does like the art that you're working on, like inform, like who you are? Um, I think for me, it's like the things that I choose to include or like what my art I'm trying to communicate with my art. Yeah. Um, because I'm definitely like interested in by a lot of different kinds of stories and ideas and things like that. But the stuff that I want to communicate and put out into the world, I generally wanted to have like this more kind of either overall positive tone or some kind of like draw towards some kind of catharsis or something yeah. that people can connect to and resonate with in a positive way. Yeah. Um, I think that matters to me where there's like, there's art that I've definitely been interested in that I love and appreciate, but I feel like I wouldn't want to create it just because of like the way it makes people feel. Yeah. So like that kind of like that resilience and that like positive outlook, that's like who you are and that like gets in your art. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Do you ever feel like it happens the opposite way where like the stuff you're working on like changes kind of like, like, it, you know, it like changes like who you are? Um, I think, yeah, I think it can. Um, like I feel like sometimes when I'm like, like just kind of in this like got to get stuff done mode, like it, I feel like it affects who I am where yeah. I'm like less thinking about things that matter and more thinking about um, what's my schedule like? What's going on? But I'm not thinking about people and I'm not thinking about yeah. stuff outside of my work. Like the more zoned in on it I get, yeah. the less I stop thinking about the world around me, um, the unhappier I am. Totally. Um, so it's like this creating this balance of like giving time for personal work, giving yeah. time for those kind of growth periods. Where like maybe I like set stuff aside um, and I spend time with people and I make sure that I'm spending time with my relationships yeah. or on things that matter or doing those things that like fill that creative well um, yeah. And sometimes that's like, like looking at art of other artists in other fields, like sculpture, modern art, contemporary artists, um, architecture, or it's like going mm. to a dance performance or a concert or something like that. Yeah, and seeing kind of the, kind of that other art out there. Yeah. Sparkle. Yeah. I like to talk with people about the relationship they have with their art because, you know, I think some of us like use our art to process something new. Mm -hmm. Like it's almost like it exists in the art, like art you, world? You're, <laughs> you're making the art in order to like figure out like how you're growing which is why I like to just ask about it um and then I think like in so in terms of like art and identity I think that's one of the things like you know how what is the relationship between like your art and who you are maybe another thing about it is like um in more in more like a, a public interface kind of way do you have any thoughts about like you know how it feels to you to like tell people like to introduce yourself as an artist um, or like, you know, is there anything about that that you think about? Um, I think at the stage where I'm at right now, it's kind of fun to introduce yourself as a freelance artist. Um, because when people ask questions like, oh, so what, what, what do you do? Do you do children's book? And be like, yeah, it's like, oh, are you publishing? It's like, oh, no, I've like published several. So it's like, oh, yeah. and then they get really excited. You yeah. can tell them about like, what's the process like? And people have all these really interesting questions. Yeah. Like, what's it like to like get a book published? And, or, or what's it like to like do the X, Y, or Z? Or like, what's your schedule like? Or how do you find jobs? And it's like, you can kind of talk about like what the world's like. And it's like this kind of window yeah. into something that most people don't get to see in their everyday life or aren't yeah. aware of. Is there anything between like who you are and the art you make that you like to keep a boundary on? Like either like, you know, like, like for example, I think, you know, maybe there are, there are some things that are maybe like in my identity that I don't love, like because mm -hmm. of maybe growing up in like a really unsupportive environment that I like, you know, sometimes I'll maybe try to, to keep them like, 
out, you know, or like I, I try to, I try to put the best parts of myself into my art or sometimes I do the opposite and I have like certain art where like, I'm just trying to, I want to get all this out. Yeah. And then I think sometimes for me, it happens in the other way too. Like, you know, uh, maybe I want to write something that like is really, um, different from how I am. Mm -hmm. And so, and maybe I, you know, maybe sometimes I want to like, let it like leak back in and maybe sometimes I don't. So like, do you ever have, do you ever feel like you need to create boundaries between like your soft inner self and like the art that you're making? Um, I think that everybody has parts of themselves that they don't like or aren't comfortable with. Um, we all are kind of growing and improving and changing, which means like we all have things that like, we're like, I'm not happy with that part of myself or I'm not proud of that part of myself. Um, and I, I know for me, like I kind of like mentioned, like I like to put like positivity and things yeah. like make beautiful art that people enjoy. Um, but like for me personally, like, I'm drawn to like a lot of really like interesting kind of creepier pieces. Yeah, dark, darker art. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, I find it really fascinating, interesting, but I have such a hard time creating any of those things that I'm really excited about. Like yeah. I love Tegan White's work. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she does these beautiful like botanical illustrations, but it'll have like like decaying creatures like mm. with like flowers growing out of them yeah. and they're gorgeous but also like they've kind of got this like yeah. entropy feel to it um so but how, yeah how does that feel to you now like as you're kind of going I like this but I don't make things like this like mm-hmm. what is that it, it like? does feel like this weird disconnect like I, I feel like I'm always forever figuring that out of like yeah. there's stuff that I'm interested in but like when I try to create something like that it feels um maybe inauthentic or I feel mm. like I don't know necessarily know like how or if I want to kind of like put these like kind of more mm. deeper kind of like con- conflicted questions or things like that into my work. Totally. Um, I mean, I think that's a perfect, like it's a, this, this, the conversation that we're having now is like what I'm trying, like, yeah, yeah. I never know what it is, but like it, this is it. Um, yeah. Isn't that interesting? Like, and then I, I think like, and this is just me, but like, I imagine if, if you are moved by that kind of art, mm-hmm. like there is something kind of terrifying about thinking like, like if I want to make something like this, do I need to have some of it like in me first? Or is it kind of like the opposite way where like if I start working on it, like, you know, and like, what does that mean? Like and if like, I'm making like these really creepy pieces, like, is that going to like does that make, make me, me feel creepy? Or? or like, do I have to already have had some like kind of dark experiences in order to like, and like, I don't know that there's an answer. I think everybody's different. I mean, I think we all know people where like the type of art they make, like when you meet them, it's like, oh, this makes perfect sense to me that that's what you make. Yes. And then sometimes we have like the opposite thing where it's like, you make that? Like, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's why, like, I like to just ask about it. Like, what's what's happening with, like, the art and the identity? I, I'm also, like, do you have any other thoughts about, like, that for, for you? Like, it sounds like maybe that's something you're kind of... Yeah, I think I'm still, like, I'm forever figuring that out. Of, like, how do I include or how do I work through like the parts of myself that like I'm I feel like I need to work on like through my art or like things that might not be necessarily as positive or uplifting as some of the other work that I do yeah um is it okay for me to like do pieces mm-hmm. like that or to experiment in that direction and like what's the place for that and when's the place for that yeah I, I was just talking about this with like the last person I interviewed we were talking about like authenticity and like you know it's it, authenticity is is a is a is a virtue of course mm-hmm. um but like I think sometimes we can we can get a little stuck on this question of authenticity because there's like what's authentic to me now and like what might be authentic to me in five years. Yeah. And like this, I think, is in is in that conversation a like little bit. Your angsty of like, teenage poetry was really authentic then. Right. Um, exactly. And, and maybe it's really cringy now. But like, hey, like you made it. 
Yeah. And then like, you know, if there's, if like, I, I love this question of like, if there's art that moves you, but you don't know, you don't know how to make art like that. Or like you, maybe you know how, but like, you just like, feel it doesn't weird feel, about it, it. it feels weird or strange or uncomfortable. Like, does it feel uncomfortable because it's inauthentic or does it feel uncomfortable because you just haven't tried it on, yeah. you know? And if you try it's like it on, trying on a new outfit and you're like, ah, like I really love it, but it doesn't feel like me. But then like you wear it for a week and you're like, totally I love this and I'm totally comfortable now yes I that's perfect that's Mm -hmm. like the perfect analogy for like what I'm trying what I'm trying to talk about and so like trying out some kind of more avant-garde fashion yeah so the podcast is called artifice because like I believe that at some like we all are dealing with these things whether or not we're talking about it like there if you're if you're on the creative edge you're gonna come up against this kind of stuff where you're like am I allowed to try this what does it mean if I try this you know maybe like I'm personally dealing with like uh depression but like you know I, but I want to make art that's positive and that's not uh, doesn't feel inauthentic to me it's that's what I'm moved by you know like we have this kind of ecosystem between ourselves and our art and other art and you know and um, like the, the relationship everybody has to art as well because like once it's out in the world like it's all up to like that person's own interpretation like how do they interact with it totally and like if the person interacting with it is interpreting in a way that is different from how you feel about it they might make an assumption that you feel about it the way that they feel about it so it's not that it's like artifice on purpose mm-hmm. but I think it inherently exists like you know some uh, artifice in the sense of like what you see isn't always what's true or like what's true isn't always what what you you see see. or whatever. And I'm so interested in like the elusive nature of art, the totally subjective nature of art, the way that like everyone's experiences bring a completely different totally background. Whenever they view a piece of art or listen to it, they're going to have something different than what the author and like you made it, but it exists outside of you. The author is dead. (laughs) Yeah. Like, is it you? Is it not you? Are you it? You know, are like, you responsible for it? Or yes, yeah. like I'm so I'm so interested in all of these weird things. Is there anything else like with within any of that that you like think about, care about, talk about? I, I think for for that specifically, like I mentioned, English majors. So, like one of the things I really loved was going through the different fe- theories of like literary criticism, mm-hmm. and like I kind of jokingly mentioned, like the author is dead. Yeah. Um, but like that's something that really resonated with me is like one of the the crit- criticism theories that like stuck was. Mm-hmm. Once a piece of art is out in the world, every person who views it is going to be bringing their own experience, their own lens to view it. Um, there are art pieces out there, be they like um, film or books or um, just visual arts, music, yeah. where I am pretty darn sure that like the thing that really resonates and responds to me has nothing to do yeah. with what the author intended of that piece. But that piece still means so much to me. Yeah. Um, but I'm always kind of like nervous to like share that art that I love and resonates with me with other people because I know like the experience that like makes it so important to me is like one of it's my yours. experiences. Yeah. Um, and like the actual piece like has probably very little to do with that. But that but that relationship I have with it is still real. Yeah. Um, and I think like for my art as well, like I know for a fact, like some of the pieces that I made, especially some of the more religious pieces, like once they've gotten out there into the world, people have their own interpretations of mm-hmm. them and they yeah. it's really resonated strongly. It's not what I intended, yeah. but it's been interesting to see how people feel um, some kind of connection or some kind of resonation or some kind of affirmation through my work that was not the intent of the original piece. Yeah. I'd love to hear more yeah. about that. Like that specifically. Yeah. Um, so I, I mentioned I did those large paintings as my, my BFA show. Um, they were all based on scriptures um, from the Book of Mormon. Um, and one of them, it was a, a scripture about how faith grows in our life. Mm. Um, 
And in the painting, I had like a woman kind of watching a seed. And then there was, I met like this kind of guardian figure, um, like the spirit of revelation was behind her. And like the, the, the being was like made out of text. Oh, um, interesting. But she kind of looked female because like all my models were female. And I thought, yeah, like, yeah, like spirit of revelation, whatever. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people were like, oh, like this resonates to me with like some kind of like heavenly mother figure. Yeah. And you're like, um, I wasn't thinking about that. I was not all, thinking about that at all. Yeah. But like it became like this huge thing. And then there's like these articles about like new Mormon feminist artists. And I yeah. was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. So it kind of like blew up, but I sold a lot of paintings. I was like, what's going on? Then I was like, yeah. oh, like there's all this other things online that was not my original intention, yeah. um, but it was really interesting. Like these like varieties of interpretations. Um, it ended up like in some like, people who have like strong pagan beliefs um, about yeah. like some kind of like mother earth spirit. Like we're wow. taking the art and like using it in their articles. Um, I kind of love that. Yeah. I That's, just went everywhere. I was yeah. like, Whoa. <laughs> well, I wonder too, like, I mean, maybe this is like a little bit personal, but like, you know, if you're making some, like how much like, you make religious art, like sometimes like very, very rarely. Um, okay. Cause I, I know think, some like BYU grads like do a lot of work yes, for the uh, church. Oh, Annie Henry's stuff is just beautiful. I don't know yeah, if you're familiar with her. Um, oh, she's gotten married. I wish I knew her last name, but it's Annie Henry. Something. New last name, but her art is just gorgeous. She has these incredible textural pieces. But I was going to ask like, you know, I, I mean, maybe I'll just still ask it and maybe mm-hmm. it's not important, but like, you know, if, if you're, cause it's so, um, it can be controversial. Yeah. And if you ever feel like something that felt really personal and like affirming to you, like, you know, is like criticized by like some, you know, I don't know. I I feel like that. I feel like someone who makes religious art in a way that's really personal to them, like that could be fraught, like has sending that out into a world where like there are plenty of people who have really like, um, a wide variety of difficult relationships with like religion or, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's, but you're not doing enough of it. Like your, your experience of that was like really cool. It was like, yeah, yeah. it was one like really wild experience. And yeah. I was like, well, that's awesome. And I think part of that too is like the way that I, I do religious art tends to be more like symbolic and less straightforward and literal. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, so it's open to it's interpretation. It's more open to interpretation than some more straightforward pieces. That's great. Um, I think that's great. Like, yeah. I, I really like art that's, that's ambiguous enough that people can in, um, put their own experiences in it. Yeah. Like that's the kind of art that I'm interested in. I, I love a little bit of ambiguity and yeah. I don't, I, there's not a lot of room for it in like some like the children's book work that I do where it's like a lot of princesses and dragons yeah. and things like that. But like for like personal pieces, I love to have some kind of yeah. uncertainty because in it's more about the viewer maybe like yeah. but that's the question. Like, is it like um, what resonates with them? Author is dead thing. Is that like, I don't know what that is. is oh, that- um, so it's like the, the theory of criticism is that, um, the author's intent doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Um, all that matters is the viewer or the audience interacting with the piece so, once it's out in the world. So yeah. when something's been published, be it music or a book or something like that, we don't need to worry about like, did Shakespeare really did mean, mean this? Yeah. It's like, no, no, that doesn't matter anymore. Mm. He, I mean, Shakespeare's literally dead, yeah. but like the author's intent is, is dead. Yeah. It's like gone. the author is effectively dead. The the creator of the art is effectively dead. And they might have their own interpretation of the piece, their own intent, but that's their relationship with it. Yeah. The viewers, the audience, their inter- individual interpretations and relations and what they bring is what really matters. Yeah. Um, sorry, were you going to say something else? I, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that. And then I think that totally goes along with this question of like art and artifice and, yeah. you know, I mean, artifice is like, it creeps people out because it's like, artificial but I mean it more just like I mean this the maybe the connection that the artist has to their art could be artificial in that type of a um 
a lens. Yeah. Not artificial, like it's not real, but artificial in the sense that it's not like the thing. That's not like the one, there's no one true interpretation. Right. Right. It's, yeah. Interesting. Do you have any thoughts about what it, like the, the kind of art and artifice in terms of like what it means to like be a professional artist? Like, is there anything you'd want to tell people about like what it looks like to be a professional, you know, illustrator, visual artist that they maybe like wouldn't know? Um, yeah, I think the thing that was the biggest surprise to me was the professional aspect of it. Mm. Um, like I felt like I had a good handle on like, how do I critique work? How do I interpret like, um, clients like requests and things like Mm. that? Or like, how do I, if I've been given like a children's book, people skills, yeah, Yeah. it's the people skills part. They were most interesting and unexpected to me was like learning. How do I set realistic expectations for clients, um, for freelance workers? Um, I don't have an agent, so I work mostly with people who are not from like large publishing houses. Yeah. Um, so it's like, this might be their first experience working with a freelancer. Um, and I was very lucky. One of my er first roommates after school was this incredible, like business masters, civil engineering, double masters, like insanely good person at when it comes to like negotiating and talking to people. Um, and so she like walked me through like, how do I set up contracts? Mm. Uh, And then how do I resolve conflicts? Cause sometimes like people have different understandings of like an email, um, learning how, do how you keep to boundaries. Yeah, how do you how do you set boundaries for yourself? Um, and I've learned like being able to set those things up front as soon as possible, and also just how to be professional in emails. Um, and I think for me, it doesn't feel like being like fake, if that makes sense. I think some people consider like I want to be real. It's like, well, yeah, but oh. you're just being courteous. Like, this is what I mean with yeah. that like authenticity question. Mm-hmm. Like, authentic doesn't mean like totally unfiltered. Yeah, no, or no, no. Maybe no. it can. I mean, it just depends. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's like yeah, you're doing yourself and the person you're working with the courtesy. You're caring enough about them to f- be thinking about what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's like helping them to be like, for example, like a lot of like first time illustrators, um, don't know how to handle edits uh, when a client's like, Oh, could you make these changes? Um, and something that was really helpful for me was learning like right off the bat being like, they don't know what the process is for creating illustration. They have no idea. Yeah. Um, so it's like, they don't know what it means for you to make a change and like what it means to make a change. So like helping them, walking them through that and not in like a patronizing way, but kind of setting up like as a business equal, all right, so when I'm drawing a piece, this is the process, what it's going to look like. I'll do these like small thumbnail illustrations. um, And you're going to, I'm going to give you a chance to review those. You can kind of pick which ones you like. If you see one like, oh, this isn't exactly wanted, but can we make those edits? Sure thing. Then I do like big, and then I do like the big sketch for them next. And I'll be like, okay, here's the, the final sketch. This is the time for you to make your changes. If you have major changes you want to make, if you're not happy with anything, this is the time you let me know because once it's still as a sketch stage, it's easy for me to make those changes. Once we go to the final painting, I can still make edits if they're small, but any large edits will incur an extra fee. So like, so they have that coming in. So they're not like surprised later or they're not demanding things that are unreasonable. Like they've been told what's reasonable to expect and what's not. Yeah. Um, and then there's no conflicts. Like everyone knows what to expect. So yeah. like I can make the changes that they need. And they're also thinking about it at that sketch stage. Like, oh yeah, I do need to be happy with this yeah. and not like, oh, we'll fix it in post kind of a thing. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah that's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And just, that just av- avoids like 99% of client problems. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. I think I have like just one more question for mm-hmm. you before we kind of like wrap up. Um, you, you said several times that you like are very kind of in the present. You don't like think about the future. I'm kind of wondering like, has anything about that changed? Like how, how do you think about the future now? Um, it has changed a little bit since getting married. Cause I'm thinking about a little more about the future, like for some of my clients for longer term projects where it's like, Oh, like we might be starting a family at some point, And like, how do I want to prioritize like, um, being a mother with things like that? So like 
thinking that little bit into the future more. Yeah. Um, do, do, do you feel stressed out about that? Uh, a little bit. I, I'm, I feel like I'm very lucky that like, for me, I know I enjoy like a lot of like homemaking. Yeah. Um, like that's exciting to me, just as exciting as doing art. And I'm not it's in creative. love with my career. Yeah. I'm in love with being able to create stuff. Right. Um, so if I'm like, if I want to take lovely. some time off to be a mom, a mom full time and maybe just make personal projects, like, like yeah. I'm totally comfortable doing that. And with my husband's like work situation, like we are financially okay. Yeah. So I don't need to be working and be a mom and be yeah. able to have to do it all. I know some people love that are so yeah. excited by that. For me, I'm like, I'm excited to, if I, if we yeah. do have kids to like take that time off, but that's like the, the big future thing I'm thinking about now. Well, one thing I, I wish, you know, cause this is like, no matter what your kind of like, I don't know, beliefs are like, this is a question that like young women yeah. ha- think about more. Like it just is, it, it just is, like, it just, yeah. cause it's your body. Like, I know, you know regardless of like what you who, think who, about who, who's taking care of the child once the child is born, like that nine months, like that's you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think just culturally, yeah. like, even mm-hmm. if you, you know, are raised in an environment where like all the women that, you know, are working, I think still like, it's just culturally, like, it's just something that women think about more. And I interview a lot of young women who worry, who worry about these things. Like who, mm-hmm. at, who it's just a conversation I have like so frequently with, yes. with young women. And I, I love, I love to imagine us like young, young women thinking creatively, like, you know, young creative women thinking creatively about like how we can create a life that feels right. Like whatever that yeah. means. And if that means like, you know, being like finding ways to stay like creative in like a not a professional way right that means being totally creative in the way that you like create your family dynamic Mm -hmm. so that you are working you know or whatever Um, or like what can I be doing to encourage and support like the creativity of this new child totally totally I'm really grateful to the upbringing that I had how can I like take the best from that and like keep improving on what what experiences I had as a kid so that like whoever they may be can be successful yeah I think that's happy that's so important plus it's like like, it's fun like our mom did a lot of like silly little projects with us all the time like she would make small crafts and like she'd like show us how to like use her woodworking equipment and stuff like that yeah so like I I have very fond memories of working with my family on a lot of fun stuff so like I want to have that in my family creativity is going to be part of your life no matter what yeah that's awesome Sorry, did I interrupt you? No, I think you just put a button on what yeah. I was saying. Okay, or a bow. great. Yeah, <laughs> uh, buttons and bows. Both. And bows. I accept them both. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the last question I ask everybody is, what's like on this day? What's your dream project or your dream collaboration? Um, no constraints. No constraints. Okay, so like I mentioned, I have a hard time thinking about the future too far ahead. Um, but I I can't say a lot about this current project. It's with like a more high profile client, but I love making, um, card decks. Like I did one for fun a while back and I just enjoyed the process so much. Like the idea of like taking some kind of concept and having like a series based on an idea, Mm -hmm. bringing in all the symbolism and the ideas, like, just like the crafting really pretty um, decorative elements. Like it, it scratches yeah. all like the creative itches that I love. Yeah. Um, and I recently just got hired on this like huge big budget project where they're like, oh yeah, we can afford to do like the metallic inks and like all the crazy stuff that you yeah. want to try. And I'm just like, oh, 
Yeah. So it's like, it brings in like, like how can I interpret like this other client's like ideas about like the subject matter for this deck? How can I bring in like all the different like techniques that I want to try, yeah. uh, the intricate details. So I'm awesome. really, really stoked for this project. So Yay. I'm hoping like it's in like the early stages, but it should be launching pretty dream soon. dream project is like, it's already happening. It's already happening. Yeah. yeah. So and cool. I think it helps that like, I don't have like huge plans for the future, but I really am excited about yeah. this. One. I was going to say for someone who like, uh, doesn't think about the future yeah. that much, like having your dream project on your lap is like, that's yeah. ideal. <laughs> it is like, okay, cool. Um, and I think like, just as a quick note on that, like that card deck that I did earlier that got this project in my lap was just one I had done, like when I was like feeling burnt out, it's like yeah. I need a personal project. So I did like a silly, you never know what you're investing yeah. in. You never know what you're investing in. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that helped with that, just as a note also to other creatives is I did the other deck and it was well received. People liked it. It was fun. Um, and then like I'd worked with this one client before on like a very small project. I was like, this seems like something you might be interested. Would you be interested if I made you guys a card deck? And they responded super well. Yeah. So if you're a young creative out there um, and you are interested in doing your dream job, whatever it might be, yeah. just don't just ask. Yeah. Um, I've, I've started asking a lot more. I think part of that comes with like having more experience and mm -hmm. having like these positive like work experience and feeling like, okay, I've got some stuff under my belt, but yeah. like I'm by no means like incredibly amazing artist. It's just like ask and sometimes people say yes yeah. and then you get to do your dream drop so yeah and yeah. if you start getting like rejection fatigue which like we get rejection fatigue as artists I think <laughs> at some point in our lives and probably it's like a recurring you know like there will be times when you're like wow I've had a lot of rejections recently you know it's, it doesn't mean anything it's necessarily okay. like it's, it's okay. just you just move through it, adjust, adapt. Okay, where can we find your stuff on the internet? That's the um, last it's thing. It's currently under rebeccasorge.com, R-E-B-E-C-C-A-S-O-R-G-E.com. Or you can find me as the gentle honeybee on Instagram. Oh, you are a gentle honeybee. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, great. Well, thanks so much for talking with me. Yeah, it was great to you. talk to you. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our music is by Jerem Hansen and artwork by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.